Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, I'm going to be reading today from Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Today is Palm Sunday. It is the week before Easter. Um, And I got a message that I want to share with you guys today. I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. And it says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you. And immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied or a donkey tied of which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside of the street and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing? Untying the colt. And they told them what Jesus had said and they let them go. That wasn't in my neighborhood. And they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branch or palm trees that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna, in the highest. Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this idea or this subject, if you're taking notes, on palms and trees. Palms and trees. Let's pray. Um, Dear God, we need you now. We pray, Father God, over our minds, over our thoughts, eliminate distractions, speak to our hearts. As we look at the triumphal entry, Lord, right before you went up to the cross, Teach us what you wanted to learn, Father. What you wanted us to learn, Father. Lord, let me decrease that you may increase, Father. I ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, would you put your hands together one more time if you want Jesus. If you're ready and expecting for a word from the Lord, amen. What what is Palm Sunday? Like, is it the week before Easter that we kind of get together as a church and this is where we do our last push? Make sure that you invite people to church on Sunday. Like, what's the reason? Why is Palm Sunday so important? Like, what is it about? Is this where we do our Jesus of Nazareth plays before Easter? Is this where we grab little palm branches and the kids come and they start singing and they come up the aisles, which we need to turn up with the kids. We need to have our palm branch and singing thing. But what is Palm Sunday? Because Palm Sunday, if it's written into the scriptures, if Palm Sunday is something that traditionally through all of Christianity, it has been celebrated, people have talked about it, then what does that actually mean to my life? Because I know what Easter means. Like I know exactly what's going to happen in Easter. But what is Palm Sunday? It feels like that weird week before Sunday. And and as, 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 as grace would have it here in Cobb County, it decided to land right on Easter. I mean, on spring break, everybody's still breaking for spring. Ain't no spring, bro. It was snowing yesterday. Spring break. It's cold out there in them streets. Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday was, I think, where everything shifted. Palm Sunday was where it was all good, fine and dandy. And it was teaching and it was fun and it was exciting. And then all of a sudden kind of went into a hyper speed. Palm Sunday shifted um, not only the time of Jesus, but I believe even the time that we live in here today. Now, here's what I want you to understand. 
Because for so long, people can come up and you, can, you, might have, you may have heard Palm Sunday teachings. And, and they, they've been very inspirational as a triumphal entry of Jesus. And they've been very encouraging. But then we, we look across the other side of the week and we see Easter. Here's the truth. There is no Easter next Sunday. He, he, here's what I mean. We're going to celebrate Easter, but Jesus isn't on a cross. Jesus is no longer being beaten and hung on a cross. Nor is he resurrecting. Jesus has already resurrected. Meaning that if this is true, then that Palm Sunday, this is what it is. It's the triumphal entry of Jesus. Palm Sunday was where he got on a donkey and he proclaimed to the entire world at that moment, I am the coming savior. I am the king. And he rides in and it's the triumphal entry. People are yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Fast forward to crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. But yo, here's the thing. There is no Easter. Like we're going to celebrate it. But Jesus isn't going back on the cross. That means that we're living not only a triumphal entry, but we're meant to live a triumphal life. That our life is supposed to be resembling of when Jesus was on that donkey proclaiming that he was Lord. That's where we live at. We're no longer living in the sadness of having to watch him up on a cross. He defeated death, hell, the grave. He broke the cross. It was Jesus who now sits at the right hand of the Father with all power and authority. So what does that mean, Chino? That means that we're supposed to be living a triumphal life. I, I get it. We're going to celebrate the death, burial, and the resurrection. I think it's important. Not only, not only do I think it's important, it's part of the gospel. The gospel is the power to save. I could come up here, scream, yell, spit. I could do all of this stuff. We could have all the cantatas, and we could have the worship team doing backflips and all of that stuff, which, by the way, that was incredible today. You guys did an amazing job. Sequoia, I'm so proud of you, the way you led today, man. I'm, like, blown away with you, man. We can make some noise for... Amanda, whatever. She sang, sangs. I get it. I understand. I understand. She's a big deal or whatever. But, but listen to me. This is all great and dandy, but individually, when you walk out of these doors, you're meant to live this triumphal life. I think if we pull back for a second and we actually look at the life of the believers, if we look at this picture of what Jesus is, maybe there's some truths that we can pull out of it to be able to help us in our daily walk to be able to live a triumphal life so that we can understand it. Yo, we're walking into a season and we're walking into a lifetime of triumph. Are there going to be troubles? Yes, they're going to be troubles. I'm going to talk about it in a second, but we're meant to live a triumphal life. How did that happen? I think it took people. I think it took people because this, this whole deal was about people. So here it is. Jesus has been preaching now for about three years. He's been hanging out with the disciples. There's 12 individuals that he's been hanging with them, walking from city to city. They've been walking to Marietta, and then they go to Woodstock, and then they walk all the way down to Atlanta, and then they walk all the way to Macon, Georgia, if you can believe it or not. And they're walking, and they're just talking. I mean, just hanging out. And in that, they're going to different cities, and they're healing people. And people are coming to know who Jesus is, and they're like, yo, this guy's a real big deal because I couldn't see out of my eyes, and all of a sudden, now I can see. I was on a bed thrown on the ground, and now I can walk. This dude is the real deal. Every time a demon came out of a person, you know what he would say to them? Shut up. It's not my time. The entire time that he would do these healings, he would say, yo, don't bring credit to me. Don't tell nobody what happened. And what would they do? They'd go out and they'd run their mouth. Oh my God, you can't believe what this dude did to me. He saved my life. All of this. What's crazy about this is that the entire time, three years previous to the triumphal entry, Jesus was trying to keep his identity secret. I don't want people to know who I am. And then all of a sudden, we get to this picture where Jesus brings in this scene in scriptures, 
And he walks up to Jerusalem. Everything is going to go down in Jerusalem. This is the motherland. This is the place where everybody, the, the festivals, Passover is about to happen. The crucifixion, obviously, we have, we have sight. We can see forward. Or actually, we can see backwards. We can see what's going to happen in just a minute. But he walks into the city in Jerusalem. It's a festive time. Everybody's celebrating. It's partying. People are getting ready for Passover. It's like Christmas time. You know those first couple of weeks right before Christmas? Everybody's like Christmas parties and they're buying the gifts and they're doing all of these different things. That's kind of what it feels like around that time. It feels like, oh my God, everybody's buzzing in the city. It's like, it's what's happening. Jesus walks in and he begins to fulfill an Old Testament prophecy where it's talking about a king riding in on a donkey, the king of peace. Now here's what happens. He has to have people. The disciples who have been around him have turned into over, there's thousands of them, but then there's some real ones that are with him. I'm going to talk about that in a second. There's some real ones that are with him, about 12 of them, and then there's a separate group that's about 150 of them that love him, that actually want to follow him, and they actually begin to follow him even after he dies. But watch this. The Bible says that Jesus comes up to Jerusalem, and when he comes up to Jerusalem, he has a conversation with the disciples, and he says, yo, I need y'all to do me a favor. I want you to go across to the town that's right across from us. And when you get over there, I want you to go and I want you to get a donkey. I want you to untie the donkey. Like Loki, yo, if we're honest, like the Chino standard version, it's, yo, I want you to go there and I want you to go steal a donkey. That's what he told him. He said, I want you to go there and I want you to untie a donkey that doesn't belong to you. You don't know whose it is. If somebody, if somebody asks you, what if somebody didn't ask you, Jesus? Like, what if nobody tells me nothing? <laughs> Jesus like, Shh. Don't worry about it. I got it. I'm going to die for your sins. Go sin, my child. No. No, it actually says that he was going to bring it back. I'm just borrowing it. Don't go steal something and tell the government, hey, I was just borrowing. I saw it in the Bible. You're going to jail, bro. Don't do that. Okay? Don't do that. Jesus says to them, I want you to go and I want you to get this donkey. Untie it and I want you to bring it to me. Which that in itself is an entire series about different things that need to be untied and brought to Jesus about the things that you've been holding on for way too long and you need to loosen these things up and you need to bring them to Jesus because you think they're a part of you and you've been holding on to these things. You probably should untie them and bring them to Jesus. Jesus needed people in this time. Number one, Jesus needed fearless people. If you're taking notes, number one, he needed fearless people. Jesus needed people, not, I mean, not, not like crazy people. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I got people in my life that I can, you've seen the meme that I can call them and I can be like, yo, we're going to go over here. We're probably going to hurt some people. We're going to get in trouble, but you can't know, ever tell anybody about it and we can't ever talk about it again. It's like, Tommy will call me. He's like, okay, what car are we taking? It's like my favorite. It's like me, let's go, go. You got your friends. But, but, but what he's saying is not necessarily the crazy ones that are going to go kill the world and like, yeah, let's go. You need people in your life that don't have fear, that are fearless, that are not driven by fear because you can meet people that are driven by fear that whenever you give them an idea or a dream, you know who you can talk to and you know who you can't talk to. There's certain people that if you tell, hey, this is what I'm thinking in my life. Mm, I don't know if that's going to work, you know, because my late grandcousin, uncle's brother, you know, he tried that and he failed and no, 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 he didn't try that. You failed at it and you're trying to project that on me and your fear, you're trying to give it to me and hand it to me. You need people in your life. If you're going to live a triumphal life watch this put those people in the corner i promise you we're not going to get rid of them we, we need people like that trust me we need people like that but you need people in your life that are fearless that are the ones that are going to say to you like 
Yo, about five years ago, <laughs> we were laughing because we were at the Big Shanty Festival yesterday, and we were right across where we started our first Big Shanty Festival five years ago, before we ever launched the church. It was a handful of us, and our first festival was right there. That's the first time we ever announced Greater Church to the community. We had a booth, and we were absolutely wild. We got on the stage. We took the microphone. We were inviting people. I mean, we did some crazy stuff. We should have been in jail, but we were, we were, we were having fun, but... But, but I, was, I was sitting there and I was thinking about it. I was like, yo, the people that I talked to had to be fearless. Like, I mean, Brian and Sochi, who have built this church from the very beginning, I remember sitting at a, at a, at a, in, a, in a couch with them and telling them like, yo, we're thinking about moving to Georgia. Y'all down? And I don't think they even needed to pray. They were like, yeah, we, we're ready to rock. Like, what are we doing? I remember having a conversation with Jason and Allison, pastors here at the church who have built this thing. What you see around here is because of their strength, because of their love, their generosity, because who they are in our life. And Jason and Allison, I told Jason, and Jason was like, no, nah, I'm not going. No, nah, we're not doing that. No, nah. <laughs> no. Nah, nah. He left my text message on red. I love you, Jason. He left me on red. But a couple months later, he heard from the Lord and he obeyed the Lord on Jesus. Hi, hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. But think about this. You're leaving your family. You're leaving everything that you know. High paying jobs. To go up to Georgia. To Kennesaw. Ackworth. We don't even know what this is. It was Atlanta. That's all we ever knew. I thought we were filled with. I'm going to be very honest with you and very blunt. I thought it was just white people. Some black people. And I thought it was just cows and goats and cotton horses. I said, yo, we're going. The Lord called us to go raise horses. Five years ago and these guys were like let's go let's do it like I mean you need some people in your life that are fearless that they're not gonna walk around carrying this weight like oh I don't know but what if you know what if, well but I can't because you know my finances I got a family they're like no God is gonna provide for us and we're gonna go wherever it is and during this journey man God has brought some incredible people along who have been fearless pastors like Mimi and Alfonso and Nunzi I could go down the list of so many people that have said yeah this doesn't even look like what we thought it was going to look like. But what we don't have is fear. What we do have is what the spirit of God has given us. It's pretty crazy that you know that during the last week of Jesus' life, one of the things that Jesus taught in huge, I mean, amounts of time, read through the gospels and John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read through all four of them and just begin to read the triumphal entry. Just begin to read that week before Jesus and then read the cross because it's good next week. It's going to give you a bunch of spoiler alerts. But yo, they actually began to move through the triumphal area. You know what one of the things that he always talked about? It was the spirit of God. He began to, I mean, put it in hyperdrive. Yo, I need to start telling you what the Spirit is going to do inside of you. He begins to talk about what the Holy Spirit is going to activate inside of you. That no longer is it going to be around you, but it's going to be inside of you. It was in John chapter 7, way before that he said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Speaking about the Holy Spirit, that in Acts chapter 1 we saw, they not only baptized them with fire, they began to speak in other tongues, but then they turned the city upside down because of the gifts of the Spirit that were stored up inside of them and how the Holy Spirit activated these things. The Holy Spirit was huge and instrumental in the life of the believers and in our personal life too during the beginning this little week of time Jesus was always talking about the Holy Spirit the, the Holy Spirit that we need to walk to move to live to breathe I, I think it's vital and it's important and I don't want to move away from here without letting you understand that when you get to the end of something that's when things get important to you if you knew that you were going to die tomorrow what were some of the things that you would do today? What are some of the conversations that would you have? 
What would you try to put in order? Your finances, like what would you try to put in order? Isn't it crazy that Jesus understood, yo, I'm, I'm about to die. There's a couple of things that I need to put in order. Number one, I'm going to empower you. I'm not leaving you by yourself. I'm going to put something inside of you that's going to help you. Number two, I need you guys to be together. We need people. I'm, I'm getting ahead of my message. But, but the Holy Spirit was super vital and important. And yo, so many of our friends and, and family and people who have given up so much to come here because the Holy Spirit told them to come here. And we started doing this thing. And people started joining on top of it. And obviously, it doesn't look the way that it looked. <laughs> and we still got a long way to go. But we still believe that there is a spirit inside of us that's going to continue to move us forward. This spirit is what God has given us. Not what the world has given us. Watch this. I want you to read this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Listen to what it says. For God. Everybody say God. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Like your brain is working. You're making wise decisions. So many of us were trying to figure out what it's. Yo, trust in the spirit to give you wisdom. It's true and it's real. It's in my life every single day. I don't come up here with just an eloquent message that I put together for hours and I'm trying to, uh, yeah, I put some work into it, but I allow for the Holy Spirit to give me what he wants to give me because he's the one that gives me the sound mind. So we're not living with fear. We're living with power, love, and a sound mind. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. The love comes from the Holy Spirit. And the sound mind, the wisdom, it comes from the Holy Spirit. Isn't it beautiful that this is what Jesus was giving us? And for us to live a triumphal life, yo, we got to have people in our backs, people who are around us, people who are covering us, people who are fearless. To be fearless means that you're filled with the spirit because there is no fear in the spirit. There is no fear. I, yesterday, we had, I mean, it was fun, right? See, it was, it was fun. But it was freaking snowing, bro. Like fake snow, you know what I mean? Like from Miami snow, you know what I mean? Like shut down the schools, nobody goes to work type snow. It was like little white little balls were like, bing, 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 and that's it. That's all you had. But whatever, we're going to call it snow. It was snowpocalypse. It was scary. It was, oh my God, we were all so cold. But man, so many of you guys were filled with the spirit of God, power, love, and sound mind, and were out there and were grinding with us. And Avita had all her kids, her whole descendants, all her children. <laughs> they were all out there. She had all her kids, and then she had all my kids. She was just like mama bear, just like everybody. Abigail was going back and front. Like, if you saw that video, so many of you guys that were there and so many guys that are watching online, you're too tired to come to church because you were there all day. God bless you. But, <laughs> but everybody else, yo, we saw <laughs> jabs. Pum, pum. <laughs> I love you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's why we have online. We're going to give an offering to be able to bless you so you have a better option when you're tired at home. Um, but, <laughs> but, yo, we were out there, and it was a bunch of fearless people that didn't sit behind a, a table and were like, if you saw that video, we got in trouble how fearless we were. Like, the people in the booths, everybody who was there, you, you know that it's true. Because the people in the other booths were like, they went to the security and they were like, yo, these people are too crazy. Like, they're out in the front of our booth and they're like, people are coming to them and they're screaming and they're laughing and they're joking. And it's like, they're causing way too much attention. Kind of dumb because you want to sell your stuff and you want a crowd. Let us bring the crowd and then they walk to you. But whatever, I don't care. I don't, I'm not holding that in my feelings, you know. So care, baby. So care. So care. I'm working through it. I'm working through it. But like we were so rambunctious and so crazy that people were calling the police on us. And the police came. We were like, yo, we paid for this, buddy. You okay? All right, I'm okay. Bye. God bless you. <laughs> and I know a lot of the guys that put that on, so it was fun. But, but I'm saying it's just you got to have some people around you that are fearless, man. That when you tell them like, yo, I got an issue right now with my child. And man, my mom's in the hospital. You, you got to have some people around you that are not going to be like, yeah, she got cancer. She's going to die. 
this is bad. You know, oh man, your, your brother, he got hit by a car. Yeah, he's an idiot. He's going to be addicted to drugs his whole life. You need people that are going to come alongside of you and say, yo, we're going to fight against this thing. We're going to pray. We're going to know I want to go to the hospital. I want to go to the house. Like people that are not filled with fear, but are filled with the spirit of God that are going to stand with you, whatever the outcomes look like. Because in Jesus' life, we know that a week later, there was a different outcome. And it wasn't exactly what everybody thought it was going to be, but he still had people in his corner that were saying, yo, let's do what you want to do. They put out a sword and cut a dude's ear off. People that were saying, yo, I'm ready to go wherever you want to go. You need people in your life to live a triumphal life. People that are like that. I want to show you. Not only do you need fearless people, but I think you need faithful people in your life. You need faithful people in your life. Here's what Jesus says. Yo, I want you to go and I want you to steal a donkey. Now go untie that donkey and bring it to me. I would have had questions. <laughs> like they would have wrote an entire, and Chino said to Jesus, like, you know, like, hey, can you write a letter? Do you know that person? Like, what's the person's name? Like, you related to them or something? Like, bro, you about to, what if I get shot? They don't have guns then. It don't matter. Shoot me with an arrow. Like, Jesus, what, what am I, you, you sending me to a dude's house to go steal their donkey? What if they jump me? Like, I don't know if, it, is this the hood? Jerusalem kind of hood back then. Like, we're going, loosen the donkey and like, like, I would have so many questions. It's crazy because we always look at it as the perspective, and we always preach this, and I've preached this a thousand times, but we've always preached the perspective of the disciples going, and here's what we get. I mean, we get the organ going, and nuns get... Oh, Chris, where you at? We do all of that stuff, and it gets super excited because we're like, and the disciples and Jesus said, go loosen the donkey. Loosen it and bring it to me. Loosen bring it to me. This is where I can raise all the money. Loose your wallet and bring it up. <laughs> Praise the Lord, because your wallet is tight. Um, but, 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 but do we ever really take the perspective of the people whose donkey it belonged to? Because the Bible says that when they went over there to go ask about the donkey, they came out the house like, hey, pst, hey, what you doing, bro? Hey, Jesus, yo, yo, the master said he needs your donkey, and he's going to bring it right back. Oh, okay, you're good. What? Like, I'm... <laughs> Who, hold on, bro. Hold on, come here, come here, come here, let's talk. Isn't it crazy that I, I do believe that the Holy Spirit was active in this conversation and that there was, a, there was something that said, oh, I get it. But donkeys, they're not just regular old little things. Donkeys were actually very, at that time, I know when we think about a donkey now, it's not as prestigious, you know what I mean? It's ee-haw, ee-haw. You know what I mean? Like we, we laugh. At, it's like there's nothing real about them. Here's the crazy part about it. Horses, those were for war during this time. If you had a horse, it was symbolic of war. But if you had a donkey, it was symbolic of peace. Not only was it symbolic of peace, but it actually meant that you had a little money. So if you had a donkey, it was like the equivalent of having like, I wouldn't say like a Rolls Royce. I would say something like a Mercedes or a BMW. You know what I mean? Like, or one of those really nice Kias. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> they, look like they look like a BMW. You'd be like, oh my God, what kind of car is that? It's a Kia. You're like, that's so stupid. It's like, why are you disrespecting Kia like that, dude? But like a donkey was like, the donkey was like, it was, it was, it was like something that meant like, yo, you got a little bit of prestige when you're riding in a donkey. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was something. And these people were saying, here, you can, you can have it. Watch this. I want to show you something because y'all remember the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, it gives us a little insight into what a donkey actually is. You probably never even saw it. I, 
I'm blown away by this, but watch this. You shall not covet, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, meaning you shouldn't desire it. You shouldn't be like, oh, I want that. And then you start working towards it. Or you go on Instagram and you see somebody's whatever it is and you're like, oh, I want something like that. I want that house. I want that relationship. You might be single and these people are breaking your brain because you're watching relationship goals. But as soon as the camera finished, you didn't see the fight that they got into because she didn't pucker her lips the way that he wanted her to. And all this drama is happening, but you saw the highlights and you love that and you're like, oh, I want that. I want that. Oh my God, I want that type of relationship in my life. Yo, when in reality, there's a lot more to it but you shall not want your neighbor's house nor shall you covet or want your neighbor's wife amen or his male servant or female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is a neighbor's why would they throw that in there if it didn't carry value Everything that they mentioned here, obviously the servants and obviously the wife and the house, expensive things, the ox. The ox was an expensive thing. It actually helped to till the ground and to produce produce. And a lot of financial exchanges weren't done with paper money. Believe it or not, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have paper. So what they would do is that they would exchange grains and different type of crops. And the ox were the ones that were able to provide that. And then he throws in the donkey because the donkeys were huge. Not only were they huge there, but the donkey was huge in scriptures. Do you know there's only two times where animals spoke in the Bible? One of those trivia. Y'all remember two times? Animals spoke in the Bible. Two times. Lydia, you're a Bible nerd. Oh, my God. Nobody asked you. <laughs> I'm kidding. She was born in church. Two times. Here goes. Ready? Number one was the serpent in the garden. <laughs> no, no. You can't be owing like that. Don't owe that out. You're supposed to know your Bible. You're out here preaching fire. <laughs> serpent and then the second time was the donkey with Balaam when he told him the donkey was the first time the a serpent or an animal talked it was bad the second time it was actually not only to save a nation but to save the person who was riding them and actually began to have a conversation so it's significant of good so this is all these things that a donkey is like I mean it's just amazing they were they were given if you think about this he was probably giving and it was a donkey, the Bible says, that nobody has ever ridden on. They were probably given or they gave to Jesus something that was extremely expensive. But what they understood was that I'm not just giving this to somebody. I'm actually sowing this thing into something because the master or the rabbi needs this. So he understood the ramifications of what was going to happen because they did it. In life, we work and we grind so hard, bro. And it's the American dream to buy a freaking house, to buy a car. And then it's like, yo, I'm going to save this house. And I'm, yo, I'm not telling you not to do those things. Everybody, please listen to me. Make sure that you save and do the things that are important. Hopefully, you watched the message a few weeks ago where we talked about this. Leave wealth for your family. But nine times out of ten, if you raise your kids the right way, they're not going to take your house. Because if you raise them the right way, they've saved money. They've built enough to buy their own house. That when you come with your house and you're like, here's my house. They're like, I don't need that. That's an Airbnb. Airbnb. I said Airbnb. That's it. We'll turn it into Airbnb, dad. Thank you. Appreciate that, mom. But we, we get so caught up and we're trying to build all of this stuff that we forget that there's a legacy and something that's going to have ripples unto eternity. That their kids' kids are going to remember the things that you taught them. One of the things that we teach in our family, Ramses, yell out real loud. What is one thing we do not do in our family? he gonna tell his grandchildren that junk what happens if you lie no don't say that don't say that don't say that can't say that can't say that I'm gonna get in trouble don't say that 
in the kingdom. And when you begin to actually pour into the kingdom and you begin to actually sow into the kingdom, you start to watch the ripples into eternity because children's children's children start remembering, I am a product of this. I, I, yesterday, I didn't even tell you this, Lid, but I was able to track down Don Bozzaro's sister-in-law and we're talking on Facebook because I, I'm like, I want to talk to her, to his wife. I don't know if she's alive or not, but I want to talk to his wife and his kids. Because if you've ever heard the story, Don Bazzaro was huge in my life. He kind of introduced me to who Jesus is. And I mean, the ripples of that old white guy that's Italian has gone from year to year. I've traveled the country preaching the gospel. Every one of those seeds that I planted and what God gave as a reward is actually accredited to his account. Because of him, I met Jesus. Like, I mean, there's eternity at the balance of this stuff. What I want you to understand is that when I talk about faithful, I don't just mean that they gave a donkey. I mean that they understood what they were sowing into the kingdom when they gave a donkey. That you understand that when we take this on-mission offering, that it's not about you giving money. It's about that there's somebody at one of these events, like yesterday, that we were able to pray. I'm in the middle. I don't know if you noticed it, but while I was talking, hey, guys, welcome to Greater Church. I'm here with Officer Abby. I don't know if you noticed that, but right behind me, David Higgins, who has been doing an amazing job on Tuesdays teaching our class during our G-group season, he was actually giving a word of knowledge to a woman. And I could go down the list of so many other times. Hanan was talking to another lady, and the lady was like crying because we were able to pour into people's lives. It wasn't about dancing and jumping and giving out flyers and eating cotton candy. We were actually praying for people. We were investing and sowing into people's lives. The kingdom was being built. People's lives were being affected. The things that we do at Greater Church when we do outreach is not about just us four and no more, but there's actual ripples that happen to it. That whenever we do turkey giveaways, that there's people who, who come to know who Jesus is that whenever we go into a community there's people who know who Jesus is whenever we go into a school and we watch young people get baptized come to know who Jesus is is because we're sowing into the eternal we're sowing into the kingdom not into the United States government praise the Lord I think about men like Howard Carter I think about men like Billy Graham like Lester Summerall I think about men like Smith Wigglesworth I think about individuals in my own personal life who have sown into me that have actually sown into the eternal by speaking the life and the truth of Jesus. That my life is better because individuals that understood it's not about me just getting this guy who can get me more money, but it's about me investing into this guy who's going to make more kingdom moves than I can make because I'm older and I can't do it no more. One of my things that breaks my heart is watching these Older gentlemen, and I've, I've had conversations about this because I'm dealing with, but watching these older gentlemen that are in their 70s and 80s and are making a couple of bucks and they got 13 people in their church and God bless them, they're still doing the kingdom work, but they're sitting on 500 seat auditoriums and they got huge churches and nobody's in them and the heyday is gone and they're waiting until they die and they collect the paycheck but that property can be used to bring a young guy in there to start lifting up the name of Jesus and watching the community start happening. I say that, but how many of us are doing that in our own personal life? How many of us have our stuff that we're holding back and we're just like, mm, I don't want to use this to announce that Jesus is king. I don't want to do, I don't, don't touch my donkey. That sounded weird, bro. I'm sorry. Not only for the young people that sounded weird. Everybody else is like, what do you mean? <laughs> don't, don't touch what's mine. Don't, don't you dare put what's mine on the ground so that Jesus can proclaim that he is king. I want to keep my stuff. I think we need fearless people, but I also think we need faithful people. 
Number three, and the last one, is that we need faulty people. Jesus had faulty people. Do you understand? <laughs> there were people who were fearless. They went and they cut an ear off. There were people who were, you know, financially straight, so they were faithful, and they were able to bless Jesus and let them use or let Jesus use what they had to be able to proclaim that he was king. But then they had people that everybody in the room was screaming, or everybody in the hallways, uh, sorry, not the hallways, everybody on the streets were taking their clothes, their identities, and they were dropping it on the ground, and they were screaming, Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! Hosanna! Jesus is Lord! I mean, like, they were just, Hosanna! They were calling him the coming king. Fast forward in a couple of chapters. These were the very same people that were seen screaming, crucify him. Pilate said, what do you want me to do with this Jesus? Crucify him. Off with his head, bro. Kill him. A minute ago, they were screaming Hosanna. I mean, just, just a few chapters before, they were screaming Hosanna. And now they're screaming, crucify him. What happens is this. I'm going to build it and I'm going to break it down and I'm going to show it to you. We live in a culture and in a generation where we don't understand that we need people like that. Can I, can I say it this way? <laughs> My wife, don't get mad at me, baby. I've changed it. I've changed it. But sometimes we need fake people in our life. It's, it's fake people in your life. And you, sometimes you're ready to cut off, quit a job. You're ready to leave something. You're ready because there's fake people in your life. You kind of need that sometimes. You know what I mean? Like you need people that are faulty. Because without pressure, you're not going to grow. And you need things that, in my life, people have hurt me. And man, people have hurt me deeply. I've had in my life people who have walked away from me, man, and have done some pretty bad stuff. I have people that have taken money from me, my wife, my family. I have people that have done some really bad things. They have broken me. And when I think about them, I have to release them. I have to forgive them. But you know what? As I sit back sometimes and think about it, I'm like, yo, I needed that. Because it wasn't a season where I didn't know that I needed to be broken in this area then now I'm stronger in this area then now when somebody comes and asks me yo like hey you want to invest in this property I'm like <laughs> exactly <laughs> well my friends online you ain't heard my wife but she said heck no because we learned that we were like oh yeah we got a little bit of change and then we changed <laughs> you, you gotta have people in your life sometimes that are faulty man everything can't be perfect bro we live in a freaking Burger King society have it your way right away you do something wrong, we cancel you. Off with your head. I'm unfollowing you as a friend. You're not my friend on Instagram. I'm blocking you. And I'm not telling you to be the dumb, like, I'm not telling you to just sit there and be like, let people abuse you and walk all over you. And yo, there's some people in your life that you need to cut off. There's some people that you need to block because you've been hanging on to their Facebook for way too long. So if you want a word from the Lord, yeah, block them. Like, stop talking to them. <laughs> but, but there's some people that, man, God is using that. There has to be competing voices that, that are good and some that are bad. God's going to use it all. God used COVID. In the middle of this, I don't think our church has ever been, I think as a people group, we haven't been as healthy as we've been during this season. But, but there has to be competing voices. Do you think in the garden, they said, Jesus, we love you. And, and Adam was like, I love you. And you're my Lord. But the way that you proved that love was that there was competing voices. There had to be a snake in the garden. And, you know, I love my wife. Uh, what was it, babe? 
let me make sure I'm saying this the right way. Three days ago, we celebrated 16 years of marriage, girl. And there's competing voices. You know what I'm saying? I said, your voice still got it. You know what I'm saying? But your voice, but your voice is the only voice that matters to me. You're the only one that I want. I choose you over and over. I eliminate all the voices. I cut through all of them, Lid, and I just, I want you, baby. You're like a dream come through. Just want to be with you. I'm not going to sing it. I know you want me to sing it, but I'm not going to sing it. But for something to be real, there has to be competing voices, right? Like, where do you live if, if you don't have a competing? If you can't say no to something, how do you know your yes is so big? So there got to be faulty people in your life that are pushing you and making you better. Watch this, what the Bible say. Romans chapter 5. Verse 20, because we want everything perfect, right? We want everything to be, if we're real, like honestly, we don't want competing voices. We don't want faulty. We are the type of people, I'm a Miami Heat fan. Shout out to the Miami Heat. We're going to the playoffs. We might play Atlanta, um, depending on what the play plans look like. If Atlanta makes it, then it's going to be a fun church season because we're going to talk a lot of crap. But yo, like, I don't want the Heat to go into a close game. I like it when they're blowing people out by 20. Like, I like it. Like, I... I bet you like it when the Raiders are winning by 30-something points. I don't want the excitement, bro. <laughs> Stop. I don't want the excitement. I don't want, I don't like that, you know, nail-biting at the end of the game. That's Lydia. She's like, babe, I only want to watch it at one minute left. If it's not, if it's not close, I don't want to watch it. But like we want, <laughs> we want that big margin. Watch this. Look at what the Bible says. Because though we want everything perfect, watch what the Bible says. Now the law came to increase the trespass. I didn't put that on there, but this is what I did put on there. Part B. But where sin increase, grace abounds all the more. Where sin increases, where there's a lot of sin, where there's a lot of bad stuff, there's even more good stuff, right? So when the failures and the pain and the hurts in my own personal life, though they have sucked, they have produced so much more good. So meaning that in our own life, if there is sin abounding, where things are happening and it just looks dark, You'll understand that there's so much more grace on your behalf. That you have so much more hope. I think Nancy did an incredible job of explaining to it. Though it looks bad, we want it perfect. But when it's not perfect, that's when God's there the loudest, bro. Do you know that at the darkest moment of humanity, God came with the greatest plan that we will ever have. It was Adam and Eve who broke God's heart. They ate from the tree of apple of, of good and of apple. They ate from the tree of good and evil, of knowledge of good and evil. But it was in that very moment when they hid from God, God saw them. He provided a covering for them by giving them some type of skins. But then he began to roll out a plan. I'm going to send my son and he's going to bruise the serpents. He's going to kill the serpent. He's going to stand victorious. Yo, what a picture that at our worst state, God was bringing you his best, that he already had a plan for you, bro. Like, I mean, think about this for just a second. We're looking at people who screamed Hosanna and then they screamed crucify him. And when we stand back, we're like, yeah, those people are idiots. I need people like that in my life. I get it. Like, I need faulty people in my life because they help me be better. I, you know, I, whatever. I get it. I understand. You know, I get that part. But what if I was to tell you that you're the faulty person? What if I was to tell you that you're the one screaming Hosanna, God, I love you, but then you're not doing what God loves? What if I was to tell you that you're the one that screamed crucify him? What if we put our shoes in that pile of mess? It's real, don't it? But that's why Romans chapter 5 screams so loud. That where sin is, grace abounds. 
that God knows you ain't perfect. God knows that you're the very same person that's going to scream Hosanna and then you're going to scream crucify. There are moments where you believe and the moments you don't. There's moments that it hurts and moments that it's happy. But in the middle of that, God is still giving you his grace. Like, I mean, abundant grace. He's thinking about you and he's like, yo, I love you. I get it. You don't got it all perfect. Stop trying to have it all perfect. This is no BK life. I understand you. I understand that you're faulty. I understand that you make mistakes. That doesn't turn me off. That doesn't push me away from you. That doesn't give you a license to sin and a license to continue to do whatever the heck you want to. But there is grace that is applied to you because God understands who you are. Jesus, there's a shift that happens. All of a sudden, Jesus walks into this space, the triumphal entry. And in that moment, I mean, just, it's like I know that Satan was probably thinking he's not omnipresent he can't be everywhere and he's not all-knowing he doesn't know everything so I know that I know that Satan was probably thinking he's walking right into my trap he's like come Jesus come into Jerusalem oh my God look Hosanna hey scream Hosanna louder do it Hosanna come on Jesus because he knows that on the other side of the week there was a cross he understands that Jesus was going to pin up be pinned up to that cross he understands that he was going to bleed eventually he was going to die Satan was excited about it come on you're just like every other prophet come on Could it be that Satan <laughs> would lure us into moments in our life? Could it be that in our own personal life, we find ourselves in super exciting high points and then all of a sudden there's these big drops and it feels like, yo, God, you abandoned me. Everything is bad. Like, this is all dark. And could it be that there is a resurrection on the other side of that for you as well? Could it be that there's a triumphal life that you can live even if you're in the middle of the pit? Even if you're in the darkest place, if you feel hurt, you're broken. Could it be that there's a triumphal life on the other side of that? Could it be that God's asking you to be fearless? God's asking you, I need you to remove this and I need my spirit to be in you because I want to show you that even in the darkest moments where you don't have it figured out, I'm with you. I'm inside of you. I'm Emmanuel, God with you. I am the Holy Spirit, the comforter that will not leave you, that's no longer around you, but inside of you. I want you to be fearless. I also want you to be faithful. I want you to give me everything. And I'm not talking about financially. I want you to give me your anxiety, your depression, your fears. I want you to give it everything to me. Give me everything and watch what I do with it. I want you to be fearless. I want you to be faithful. But I want you to understand that though you are faulty, Romans chapter 5 says that in while we were yet sinners, we were broken and at our worst, Christ died for the ungodly. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin so that me and you can become the righteousness of God. That God understands that you're faulty. He understands that you have issues, but in your darkest moments, he still wants to bring life because where there's sin abounding, grace abounds even more. And today, wherever you find yourself on his journey, if you find yourself at the top of the mountain, yo, I'm living life right now. This is fun, Chino. What's next? What we're doing? I'm ready. I got my offering. I've already been praying for it. I got to set aside in my bank. Or if you're on the complete opposite side of it, you're like, bro, I don't even know what to do with my life, bro. I hate everything. Wherever you find yourself on this journey, can I tell you that Jesus hasn't changed? <laughs> I almost named this, I almost named this message, there is no Easter. But then I thought about it, I was like, that's a horrible message to tell people <laughs> because there is Easter. But Jesus isn't going back on a cross. Jesus isn't going to get beaten again. 
back into a cave. Muhammad is dead. Confucius is dead. The disciples are dead. Jairus' daughter who rose back to life and went back, she's dead. Like, it is appointed for man once to die. But Jesus is the only person through time that not only resurrected, but he's still alive. From the time that he resurrected and the disciples saw him 2,022 years ago to this very moment, Jesus is still alive. Meaning that there's triumph inside of you. Our life will go from palms to trees. And by trees, I mean the cross. I mean the pain, the hurt of being broken and hurting. And wherever you are on that journey, if you're celebrating, you're filled with the palm tree, palm branches, and you're saying Hosanna, or if you feel like you're pinned upon a cross, can I tell you that in the middle of those, from palms to trees, Jesus is still there. That he still can hold on to you. That he can still rescue. That he can still work through your mess. The only problem is, he needs to be allowed to do that. Yeah, it's permission. Jesus is a perfect gentleman. And if there's not competing voices, if you don't choose Jesus, then how is that really even love? So, so that means that you have to open the door and that you have to say, Lord, come in. You have to say, be the Lord of my life. Because if you don't, he's not going to barge his way into it. That's not real love. If I invite myself to your house and I didn't call you, and I just showed up at the house, talking about where's the yellow rice, what are we eating? I need where, where the curry go like if I just show up at your house you're gonna be like yo this is weird like why, why are you here like but if you invite me I'm accepted then we can have fun today whether you find yourself with palm branches or the cross today we have Jesus that can meet us in any one of those spaces he can save us he can rescue us and he can pull us out would you do me a favor would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms.